Hello and welcome back to Maximum Sports. I am your host, Max Patillo. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to be back. It was a nice couple months just researching and relaxing and it was a good off season. And I'm looking forward to kicking off this next NFL season. It's kind of season two of the show, I guess. And there's uh, definitely a lot to talk about. It was definitely an eventful offseason. I think the timing for the NFL with everything that's going on is pretty lucky. Uh, you know, everything kind of started in, after the Super Bowl ended. So the NFL has had a chance to sit back, see how these other sports are handling things, and kind of go from there so they can somewhat deal with all these circumstances. And we're going to have kickoff in the next couple weeks. And, you know, there might not be very many fans in the stands, if if any, to start off with. But the NFL seems like they've got things together pretty well. So hopefully they can be organized and and be the way the NFL usually is. And so hopefully they learned a lot and can go forward with this thing and, and make it happen so we can all still have football. So without further ado, let's get into the biggest storylines of this uh, going into this season, basically. Everything we're, we're kind of looking at. It was an um, eventful offseason, but not as eventful, I think, as most offseasons are. And I think that has to do with limitations for traveling and, and guys scouting and, and visiting with players, m- making sure they're healthy. There just wasn't as many splash signings or deals to be done as there usually is, but there still was some big movement. And first and foremost, I mean, the biggest story on everyone's mind, I think one of the most interesting is definitely how's Brady going to be in, in Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's just so interesting how you've got Brady starting this new chapter at such a late age, late in his career in Tampa, of all places. And then you've got Cam Newton, who's kind of in the same boat, is starting a new chapter as Tom's replacement in New England. And so those the way those two things correlate are going to be pretty interesting. I think that for most people, from what I've heard, in the media and you know fans and stuff they just feel like it's a shoe in that you know Tom Brady is going to come in and transform the Buccaneers into this Super Bowl contending team and I just think for me I automatically I got to pump the brakes a little bit on that because we got to remember that Tom Brady's leaving you know one of the greatest dynasties ever and it's it was an organizational dynasty. It wasn't just one player who who drove them to success. I mean, they had Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels. I think people they forget about Josh McDaniels how they kind of just write him off as a little maybe uh flaky for what he did in New Orleans, uh in to the Colts when he backed out of that job offer. But I think that he's very underrated as an offensive mind in the league. He could be the best offensive mind in the league and 
you know, people don't really think about that, but there's, okay, was it Brady? Was it Bilicek? Was it Josh McDaniels? Last year, the Patriots had just a brilliant defense. It really carried them. They only allowed like 14 points a game. And so now you're telling me Brady didn't have any help in New England. That was his problem. Well, I mean, offensively, you know, maybe he didn't have the biggest weapons. But if your defense is allowing only 14 points a game, uh, I think you've got a lot of help. You only have to score more than 14 points. I, I think as a quarterback, with that on your plate, you should be able to do that. So I don't want to hear that he didn't, you know, that it wasn't Brady's fault at all. But he didn't play very well, and he's showing his age. And so to just think that he's going to go and, I mean, he's going to, it's not hard to replace Jameis Winston. You know, all you have to do is throw a little fewer than 30 picks to replace Jameis Winston, and you're doing fine. But there's this idea that the Bucks just have a loaded roster, also a great defense, all these weapons to throw to on offense, a grid offensive line. And, but there's gonna there's a difference between Bill Belichick and Bruce Arians. There's a difference between the way New England runs the show and the way the Bucks run their show. And I mean, we don't have to go back on those two franchises' histories, do we? But the Patriots and the Bucks. And I know history doesn't tell all the story. But it does set a precedence. It sets a trend for how we're going to, you know, we can't just jump on these bandwagons. You know, like Bruce Arians, his track record is shaky at best. And he hasn't really done enough to just assume that he's going to take Brady and and be the next Brady Bilicek and, and really compete every year for a championship. I just don't think that's realistic. And... You know, the the way the league is growing and changing, it's you gotta you gotta be mobile as a quarterback. You just do. And Brady's probably the one. I just think it's funny how everyone hates on Philip Rivers so much because he can't move in the pocket. He can't scramble or do, he's slow. He's the old style quarterback. But they don't say that about Brady, even though they're just as athletic as each other. They can't move. So. Your offensive line has to be dang near perfect or else Brady's getting crushed. And this is the first time he's going to play outside of the Patriots system, which was designed to get rid of the ball very quickly. Will Bruce Arians, he likes to throw the deep ball. That's been proven. And you don't necessarily get rid of it quickly enough when you're throwing deep balls. It's slow development plays. Not only that, but you need a run game which I don't think the Bucks are really going to have in order to play action to offset that pass rush. So offensive lines, the Bucks might have a decent one, but they're going to have to play out of their mind in order to protect Brady properly to have a deep, explosive passing game to utilize those weapons he has. I just don't think when you cross over between Josh McDaniels and Bruce Arians, the two systems, and and not only with this off season being so short and limited, I don't think no matter how hard Brady works, it's going to be really hard to pick up a new offense at forty three years old, and 
I think we're going to see it week one. And, and, you know, the Bucks play the Saints. And I know fans aren't going to be really an issue. So it's not going to be like road games and home games are going to be as impactful. The only thing for the road team, they have to travel and everything. So that worries you out a little bit. But I think home and away, while there's no fans, is not going to be as big of a deal. But I just think you're going to see the difference between, uh, I mean, both quarterbacks, Brady and Breeze, are basically the same age. But you're going to see these systems and how they collide and how, you know, Tom, I've always said, he's definitely the most accomplished quarterback ever. He's there's no question about that, but I've always thought, you know, he's not, he's not the best quarterback I've ever seen play the position. He's accomplished the most, and a lot of that has to do with the division he played in, the opponents he got to play, the coaching staff he had around him, the players he had around him. It's a system. Whereas I think with Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and. You could go into history, John Elway's, uh, you know, Joe, Mont- Joe Montana is kind of more in the Brady class. You know, I don't know if outside of those systems they could really thrive. But those other guys, the guys that can move around, make plays on their own, doesn't matter who's around them. We've seen them in all different types of systems and poor offensive lines, good offensive lines, great defenses around them. They just win. And we haven't got to see that with Brady. He's been with the Patriots for 20 years. But is he going to now show us? Well, I hope so. Against the Saints week one, now you're in that division. You play the Saints twice a year. You're going to play the Panthers twice a a year. And, you know, you got to bring it. And um, it's a different division. You're not playing the Bills and the Jets and the Dolphins. This isn't patty cake anymore. You know, it's legitimate. And the NFC is just loaded, too, in this conference. So, Brady, he basically has to step up his game in year 21 or, you know, 43 years old. So, I just think it's asking a lot. I, I think I think the Bucks are going to be good, but I just would pump the brakes on how good. Now, we're going to get into, you know... This season is just unprecedented for a lot of different ways, but one of the things is they added another playoff team. And that that makes a world of difference because now you've got basically half the teams in each conference. You've got 16 teams in each conference and seven now are going to make the playoffs. And it just seems like such a big difference because those fringe teams that were there's going to be three wild card teams. So now it's like, okay, is it really that impressive if you made the playoffs? It's less impressive because they're letting almost half the conference in now. Seven out of the 16 teams. And if you don't make the playoffs, now it looks even worse. It means you just you weren't viable at all. So the Bucks, hey, you better make it. You better make the playoffs and you better hope most of all, that Cam Newton doesn't go to the Patriots and outperform Brady because that's going to look really bad on the resume for Brady. You know, all this thing is for Brady, it's about his legacy. He wouldn't have left New England unless he wanted to prove that he could do it without Belichick. That's this whole point. 
And if you get outplayed by Cam Newton in your old building in New England, it just it's just got to leave a bad taste in your mouth. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you're trying to prove. And I think it's possible. You got to remember Josh McDaniels is going to be Cam's coordinator. Josh McDaniels was able to hold Tim Tebow's hand and win a playoff game on the road in Pittsburgh, you know? So if he could do that with Tim Tebow, I think he's got a chance with Cam Newton. And man, wouldn't that be a story if Cam Newton uh, outperforms Tom Brady? Uh, yeah, that's, that's not going to be good news for, for old Tampa Bay, but We'll see how it all plays out. That's definitely a big storyline that I'm really looking forward to. So one of the next biggest things, and hey, I mean, Dallas Cowboys, you know, it's it's kind of on everyone's mind all the time. For some reason, Dallas is just so polarizing. Everyone wants to talk about them all the time. And honestly, I'm no different. You either love them or you hate them. And people who don't, who love to hate them, they're basically just picking on all the people that love them. And so it's, it's pretty fun. You know, Dallas is, you know, the number one talk show topic most of the time. And it's just the way it's been. And I think it's because the media focuses on them so much. And so that's, what's kind of on our minds. And it's the, the ironic part is that Dallas has basically been irrelevant, you know, so at the same time, when they're on everyone's minds, they've never been really good. And so why do we talk about them so much? It's it's just those reasons. Like, outspoken owner, they do wild things with their roster all the time. They are controversial in who they sign. They don't seem to care about morality a lot of times. Bring in whoever players they want. You know, the Greg Hardys, the Alden Smiths. They don't care who they sign, you know. I, I mean, you know, Earl Thomas is out there punching guys in the face and and the Ravens cut him and no other team wants to touch him except Dallas. Jerry Jones says, well, we're thinking about it. It's going to be my decision. And he doesn't write anything off because he doesn't care who he brings on to the team. It, it, you know, it could be... Uh, it could be... Thanos or something, biggest villain ever. He don't care. He he doesn't care about the team chemistry or or these guys' personalities or or what they've done to whoever. It's just like nah, bring them on. We're Dallas. Whatever gets us attention. But you know, Dallas is Dallas. So if they want attention, they're doing a good job of that. If they want to win games. Well, that's a completely different story. And that's what we like to talk about on this show is how can these teams get better? And Dallas doesn't really follow the template very much. So the biggest thing, they signed Dak, but not really. They gave him a franchise tag, which is pretty much what we predicted they would do. And it's not the worst thing they could have done. Because the worst thing would be, obviously, to sign Dak to what he wanted, you know, a big guaranteed money deal. It's just burning money. And so next year, they're going to have him on a cap hit 
about $31 million, which makes his, you know, price to our old uh, price to production ratio. I mean, it puts him as one of the worst now, you know, because you're, you're paying a lot for very little production as a quarterback. And, you know, it's so crazy to see how Dak plays so well against in their division. They have a, the worst division in football. It's the Giants, the Red, the Washington football team, Giants, and the Eagles. There is just a horrible division, and he plays well against the Giants in Washington. So he gets to play four games against them a year, and of course you do. Everyone does, and he has unbelievable stats in those games which bumps him up a little bit stat-wise. But last year, his record against... set They played seven playoff teams last year. You know what Dak's record was against the seven playoff teams, the teams that made the playoffs that he played against? He was 1-6. and six. And that one win was against the Eagles, who are in his division. He got it earlier in the season, and the Eagles were a... Nine and seven, eight and eight team, you know, is they were not that good either. And that was their one win against a winning playoff team, basically. And the the Cowboys we don't like to franchise quarterbacks, and most teams don't. You look at the history of it, hardly any quarterbacks get franchised. That's because that's the position you know what you've got. And you look at what Washington <clears throat> did with Kirk Cousins. It didn't work out at all for them. They franchised him twice, paid him a ton of money for those years, and off he went to the Vikings. And so now you're you've had Dak for four years. You still don't understand what you've got from him. <clears throat> the guy doesn't play well against good teams. You know what you face in the playoffs? Good teams. You think you're gonna make it to the Super Bowl with a guy who can't beat other good teams. Yeah, you can throw four touchdowns and 350 yards against the Dolphins. But you're not going to play the Dolphins in the playoffs. You're going to play good teams, good quarterbacks. You can't beat them. It's been four years. And so now you're paying a premium for that lack of production. And you didn't commit long term, which is good. Thankfully, they didn't do that. They could still do that at any point this season. We'll see. But you've just delayed things. Whereas you've got a guy with at a cost-effective contract on your roster, Andy Dalton, who I think is better than Dak. And you could have just rolled with him, been probably just as good. Probably just as good. I think he's better than Dak. I think you roll the dice with that and bring in Mike McCarthy new coach and you roll with Andy Dalton at a way cheaper price and you probably don't lose any of those defensive pieces you lost that you're going to really be regretting losing Byron Jones corner the most prominent among them and you could have added more pieces with that money or just saved it for next year and so now you franchise him he's going to be a quarterback again you're going to go through all this controversy again next offseason with him. It's going to be a distraction. You're never going to move forward. You're not going to be you're not going to position yourself well in the draft. 
You just don't make the moves that these other great teams do. These other great teams, you know, the, the Chiefs moved up even when they had Alex Smith to get Mahomes. And they had they, they played their cards right. They didn't pay Alex Smith too much. They waited on Mahomes to get good. They won a Super Bowl. Same thing with Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn. They did the same thing. And you're always trying to stay one step ahead. Flacco and Lamar Jackson, same thing. You got to replace guys. You gotta you gotta fail fast. You know what you're getting with Dak. It's been four years. Cut him loose. Let him go somewhere else. Replace him with a cheap guy until you find the guy. That's just that's the basis of this whole show, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks. So you know, it's interesting. We're going to see how Dak does again this year. I think they're going to be even worse than they were last year. At You know, they had about eight wins last year. I just don't think they've got a shot, even though seven teams do make the playoffs. I don't think Dallas is one of those teams. And so, uh, speaking of, you know, the Chiefs and Mahomes. Mahomes got the big contract. A lot of people were, I think, surprised at a 10-year deal. And in fact, it's actually a 12-year deal because he still had two years left on it. His cap number um, this season is still $5 million, which is only 2.4% of their cap, which puts in price-to-production ratio. He's probably the number one quarterback in the league. And uh, that's nothing. They're still paying nothing for him. And they spread it out enough to where even next year, his cap percentage is 11%. And as the years go on, the cap grows. <clears throat> this is actually a team-friendly deal that Mahomes gave them because he gave them so many years. And yes, the Chiefs will have to give up big guaranteed money, but if you're, if you're going to pay a guy... It should probably be a guy like Patrick Mahomes who just won a Super Bowl and he's prolific in every way. Number one quarterback in the league. I don't mind paying quarterbacks that are worthy of the contract. And for me, it's probably just Mahomes and Wilson right now. And the rest of them I could probably replace. But those two guys, I don't think you can. I think you pay a premium for him if you have to and you build around them. But it it is a rare occurrence. But I think Mahomes giving them all those years on it, spreading his cap number out, the Chiefs are going to have a lot of flexibility going on in the next years. And that's the most important thing with, with these cap numbers is high cap numbers limit your flexibility around your roster to what you can do. It makes it hard to move around. But to move players around but with him spreading it out and keeping the cap number decently low it is going to get big later on but they can always restructure these deals as well so the Chiefs still have they're able to be nimble within their roster and I think another storyline is basically who's going to be the favorite this year you know can the Chiefs repeat is Baltimore loaded where the where's the shuffling around going to happen? And for me, this season, in my prediction, I think it's going to be somewhat chalk. 
I think it's going to be basically status quo as last year. Similar teams making the playoffs, which is rare in the NFL. Usually we talk about the turnover. Most teams that make the playoffs don't make it the next year. But I think with how this offseason has happened, what is happening in the world, it's going to limit new coaching staffs, new players, particularly young players that come in and usually give you that boost, that youth that you need in the NFL to be flying around, get faster, get stronger. You, those rookies, because there's no preseason games, there's no, it's very limited training camp. These rookies coming in, a lot of them, depending on their position, they're not going to know what to do at all. It's going to take their development much longer to get there. And so with that, you're not going to see a lot of teams that needed that influx of young talent, high draft picks, speed. They're they're not going to be able to adjust as fast. They're not going to be able to get better. Or teams that have new coaches, they're not going to be able to implement their systems as much. It's going to be all jumbled up. And so it's going to be difficult for teams that were trying to get better overnight. A lot like the Niners did last year. They got better overnight. They were terrible, and then they were good. Because they got young players, they popped, and they had a continuity in their system. But you're not going to have that with these teams. There could be some surprises. I just don't think there's going to be as many as there usually is. I'm just predicting that toward uh, standard playoff teams, kind of like we've been seeing last year. I'll have my predictions probably on next ep- next week's episode going into the season for these playoff, who I think is going to be the playoff teams. But more teams make the playoffs now. So, you know, the Bucks could end up being 8-8 eight and eight and not really have a great season and still make it in the playoffs. And anything can happen in the playoffs. So it's kind of going to be interesting to see how different things actually are. And I, I'm predicting kind of less change. One of the big trades was the Jamal Adams trade. He's probably a top 10 NFL defensive player. Really been outspoken this offseason. Wanted to drive himself out of the Jets, which, I mean, can you really blame him? You know, that's one of the old Tom Brady opponents, the Jets. No one wants to play there because they're always awful. And so Jamal Adams, he didn't want to play there. And while I don't like a guy to really dictate to the front office where he's going to go, uh, an organization like the De- like the Jets, they tend to get dictated too because they're not good. So if you're a good organization like the Patriots, like the Seahawks, you know, like the Eagles, you've been good for a while, you dictate terms to your players. Most of the time your players don't want to leave anyway. But these guys that drive themselves out of certain teams by making a scene telling the media that they don't like the coaching staff, that they don't get along with anybody and they, they want to demand a trade. Those are usually bad teams. And the Jets fall into that category. You know, we could almost make a category like teams that Tom Brady used to play against all the time. 
Well, the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills. Who wants to play there? Not very many people. But, you know, the Bills, they're actually starting, they're actually being respectable lately. So maybe I won't include them anymore. But for the past 20 years, that's basically what it's been for Brady. But Jamal Adams, he wanted out of that team. He got his wish. And the Seahawks, I'm guessing they were, they got um, bid up in an auction, basically, because there must have been some other teams driving up the cost, maybe on purpose just to make the Seahawks pay a lot more for Jamal Adams in terms of they gave up a player, a starter, safety, Bradley McDougal. They gave up two first-round picks and a third-round pick, and they got back a fourth-round pick, which is just a tremendous haul for the Jets. So I'm guessing either, I bet the the Niners were probably in trade talks, either trying to really get him or just drive up the cost. The Seahawks just basically wouldn't back down and gave the Jets the world to get this guy. So it's concerning for the Seahawks because one guy I don't think is really worth that much. But on the other hand, the Seahawks need... Uh, some juice on defense and they weren't able their biggest thing was pass rush where's the pass rush coming from they didn't really address that they brought in you know Bruce Irvin and Benson Mayoa and you know some of these veterans uh, to try to invigorate that pass rush maybe with experience it usually doesn't work that way you know, who knows what's going to happen with Clowney. I don't think, it doesn't seem like he's coming back. He's not on a team at all still. But we'll have to see if Jamal Adams, he had to improve somewhere on that defense. So the Seahawks are basically saying, well, we couldn't really find a pass rusher worth worth the while. So we're going to go and try to bolster the secondary. And really, Jamal Adams is the type of positionless player that you know, you know, the guy had six sacks last year, so you, you possibly could improve your pass rush with this guy. And so, you know, who is he? You know, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Is he a corner defensive end? It's all the above with this guy. He's not gonna play nose tackle, but other than that, I mean, the guy can line up anywhere, and so you have that element of surprise against these teams to try to prepare for him. And the other thing is. The thing I like about Jamal Adams, he he did not demand an extension. So that means it wasn't about the money with him. It was about, I don't want to play for the Jets because they're crappy. I don't care how much the Jets pay me. I will literally go play anywhere on a good, on a good team. And I don't care if they give me the money or not. And so the Seahawks didn't have to pay him uh, a big contract. And you see guys like Buda Baker, who are also safeties. I mean, geez, Cardinals, like the guy has never even, he's never even had an interception. And they just gave him like $17 million a year. I like Buda Baker. He's from, you know, Washington. But man, that is reaching. And to think that the Seahawks are, you know, paying a rookie salary for Jamal Adams 
is pretty hilarious. I mean, he's like three times the player probably. So that's what you're getting. You're getting still good value, even though you gave up a lot of draft picks. I think there's an element to the Seahawks that knows that this window is going to close soon. The window, Pete Carroll's just, he's hes getting up there. You know, he's getting older. John Schneider's been doing it a long time. Russell Wilson, who knows, you know, how many years he has left in his prime. You got to strike while the iron's hot and, and be aggressive right now. And maybe it's not time anymore to worry about the future. And so they're a smart franchise. I usually trust what they do. And, you know, you got to go for it. So hopefully Jamal Adams can bring that boost, you know, with um, Quentin Dunbar and, um, and Jamal Adams and Griffin, Shaquille Griffin, and the other safety, I'm blanking on his name right now, that's going to make up a great secondary. And, oh, Quadre Diggs, that's the free safety you're going to play. And then you got to figure out that nickel corner spot, but they're going to have a a good secondary, and hopefully that can make up for maybe a lack of pass rush. You've just got to find a way to turn the ball over more. And hopefully they can have good coverage. But they gave up a ton for him. And, you know, they needed a boost because they got picked apart last year on defense. So, you know, um, we're going to see a lot about who's improved and who's regressed as these teams as the season goes along. That's going to be a big storyline. And it's just going to be an interesting year in the NFL for sure. We're going to just kind of play it week to week and and see what happens. There's going to be, on top of the added layer of unknowns of of injuries, you're going to have uh, testing going on for the virus. And if guys test positive for that, they're going to be out of the games as well. So not only do you have injuries to worry about, but you have positive tests possibly to worry about. So we might end up having games where a bunch of guys are missing out there. So it's going to be really hard to predict what's going to happen. But, you know, it's football, and it's going to be fun, and we're happy it's going to be back, and we will enjoy it no matter what. So I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. It's good to be back. I hope you're all doing well, and we will catch you next Tuesday before kickoff kickoff will be on the next not this thursday but the next thursday today being september 1st and we look forward to talking to you guys next week and we we got a lot more good preview stuff a lot more on my mind about going into this next season so we got to set it all up i want to do two episodes before the kickoff and so that's what we're going to do all right everyone enjoy i'll talk to you next week.